I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And, and we, we are Status Macabre. Hello, 2022. I know. I'm excited. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I know. And this year is going to be fantastic. I made a comment earlier to my friend, Pat, and I told him I'm not getting sick in 2022. And he said, well, I guess we're not going to Belize. I guess you're not going. <laughs> That's <laughs> You're totally going to get sick. I think we're all going to get Omni something. Is it Omnicron? I think it's Omnicron. Sounds like a uh, Transformer. Yeah. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I would totally watch that. <laughs> Transformers. It would, it would Omnicron. Omnicron. And it, it's all virus, and then it transforms into a person, or Dr. Fauci. You know, <laughs> hey, if anybody's listening, you better not take my idea. Yeah, no. Because uh-uh. I will come for you. Dr. Fauci is Omnicron. Yeah, Transformers. See? I like it. We got something there. Yeah. So very exciting. We're actually in a studio. First time in a studio. Hashtag yay. Yay. I'm, I'm, um, extremely excited. I hope everybody that's listening is like, holy God, you guys sound fantastic. You sound like you have radio voices instead of nasally wah wah. I know. Yeah. You hear a dog wagging its tail. Some birds. Some birds in the back. In the window. And, you know, maybe a TV in the background, like we're in a trailer park or something trying to record in a bathroom. But for those of you who um, might want to check out YouTube, um, you can see us in all our glory. Not now. Not now. We're not going to post this video. It, it, well, so not like right this second. Oh, but yeah, no. So there's a little bit of work that I need to learn. So we are recording this episode and we will post it, but we do have to come back and do some, we got to do some tech stuff to yeah, it. Yeah, we, to have lay to, we the do have to audio be over it. But I do want, like. yeah, I do want to be able to get something there before the end of this week. It, I just don't know even in the future that we'll be able to have them all post at the same time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe. But we'll see. We'll see. But eventually you'll be able to see our smiling faces. Or our, you know, this our profiles. I know. I was going to say, I can we have a turn and smile, smile every now and then. <laughs> so we, we took several weeks off yep. to, one, decompress from 2021 to spend the holidays with our family and to plan out our 2022 mm-hmm. episodes, which I'm I'm super excited that we did because it's like vacation. Yeah, it's refreshing. It was refreshing. And, you know, when we started this whole venture, I did not realize just how much work it I did was not either. Be. And every time Chrissy and I, not every time, but a lot of the times we when we talk, we're trying to figure out how we can do more for less, which yep. is the story of my life. Like, yep. how can we do more for the podcast in less time, time together? Not that we don't want to be together, but we have so many other things that we're doing. Yep. And the podcast is very important to both of us. So it actually has been a blast, but it's been a little bit of a struggle. It I think that's been. fair to say. We've, we have, we, it's interesting to listen. I feel like we've grown as 
we've moved forward. So that's absolutely it's a that's a good thing. So one day we'll look back and go, oh my God, there's first well, year. I think, I, I think <laughs> we've talked about this. Like we may want to redo a several lot. of our year one and maybe pull them all the way down and then repost them later. Yeah. I don't know. Um, do but that. we do have some fans that, that really, really love them. Yep. And we have some fans that were like, Nah. Yeah, we're gonna listen 10 minutes and we're not listening to these we're people done. anymore yeah we're finished <laughs> okay well but, um, I, um yeah and as for you know trips and things like that right now the only thing we have for 2022 is comic-con in vegas in april um comic-con i was like oh wow we have that too that would be nice <laughs> we have crime con crime con where my head is at comic-con <laughs> clearly <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah. we we do want to uh plan some other things where we have some things in the works we're just not ready to Divulge. to share anything right yet yeah because yeah. we what i hate doing and i do i know i do this. we do I this don't all the want, time yeah i don't want to say hey we're doing x and then it's like what happened changed my mind psych jk <laughs> we were just floating the idea yeah so 2022 <laughs> resolutions for the podcast is to make sure that when we say we're going to do something we are more than committed to doing it yes and thank you to everybody that is stuck by us and yeah. um stuck with us this whole time so um we're we're very, very thankful um, and grateful for everybody's support. Yeah. So, and, you know, we did a lot in 2021. We we went to Key West several times. Yeah. We had Beer Week in Charleston. Mm-hmm. We went on the crime cruise. Yep. We were busy gals. We were. We And we had a lot of fun. So, yeah. this year, I'm excited. Yeah. And I hope you guys are excited, too. They um, are. I feel it. I know. I can feel I've it tapped well. into my spiritual side. I know everybody's <laughs> we're manifesting. Everybody's excited. I'm manifesting <laughs> reels. <laughs> so um, we're gonna go ahead and get into it. Enough chit chat. Yeah. Um, this first episode of 2022 is a. It, it's about a guy named David Cam, and and this case baffles me. Um, there are a lot of wrongs in in this whole scenario. Um, there were a lot of different agendas that I think were being pushed. Um, and it's also just a really scary example of how our justice system can get it wrong. And it makes me wonder how often, you know, less that really happens. Yeah. It's Um, scary. It is. It is. So David Cam is your average Joe. Um, nothing about him for me anyway, stands out. Um, he's not drop dead good looking, but he's somewhat attractive. Um, I guess <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't have a ton of money. And as soon um, as she says that I'm google.com. I know it's, I don't find him very attractive, but I mean, I guess you could say he's cute in a boyish sort of way. Maybe. And she's wrinkling her nose at me, so, um, and we don't always have the same to find out. Uh, same opinion of what's attractive and what's not attractive. We, we so, don't, we so. don't, and that's fair. So, um, but yeah, he's he, when you said boyish, I was like, and yeah, he just has like the kind of a younger looking. Face. I can imagine him like younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, yeah, not so much, not so much. I mean, okay, yeah, but yeah. none of us look as good as we thought we did when we were younger so but anyway anyway so he's he doesn't have a ton of money um and nor is he very successful in in life um to this point um he has made a lot of mistakes um 
throughout. And, and those mistakes are going to come back to haunt him. And ultimately, I think, will contribute to him being wrong, wrongly convicted. Mm. And not just once, <laughs> but twice. Um, For and, the same crime? Isn't that yes. like a yes. double jeopardy? Is that um, not what that's called? Yeah, but you also have the Court of Appeals. So there's, you know, you can be convicted of something. And then, you know, there's some technicality that was going on in... I don't know, during the prosecution's, you know, time up they there. They would have he to would, change the yeah. charge a little bit, though. Um, a little bit. Right? Yeah, and we'll see this okay. um, as we yeah, as yeah. we go through. Um, but David Cam is convicted um, of a horrific crime. Uh, he's convicted of killing um, his wife, Kim, and their two small children, Jill and Brad. So... Um, just to give you a little bit of back story about David Cam, um, he was born in Indiana into a very well-respected family. Um, I mean, well, I guess if you can't have money, respect is the next thing, Exactly. Right? Yeah, and his his grandfather, Amos, um, was his name, and he was just um, a very, very uh, devout Christian, um, and he was a preacher. And he essentially, you know, built up this name for the family, and he wanted to follow in his grandfather and uncle's footsteps because they were both ministers. Um, but after losing his virginity and knocking up a local girl named Tammy, um, Lynn Wait, what state is this? <laughs> they were like, yeah, that's, uh, you can't, no, we're not going to let you be a minister. <laughs> so to avoid disgracing either All the judginess. Family, I know, I feel like there's a lot of judgy. But and then again, we're looking back in, the 80s here. This is in the 80s. Oh, okay. um, and losing your virginity when you're trying to pursue a Christian, you know, career. Um, and then knocking that girl up that you didn't marry. Might be a little frowned upon. But yeah. he wasn't already married, was he? No. Okay, not good. at this point. No. So. <laughs> See, he's not so bad. So it's not too bad. Yeah. But he he can't really be a minister at this point. So to avoid disgracing either family, you know, hers and his, um, the two got married in 1982. They end up moving into David's parents' house and prepare for the birth of their daughter. And on February 9th, 1983, Tammy gave birth to David's daughter, Whitney Lane. Now, David at the time was employed by a body shop. He liked to tinker with engines and, and he thought he was good as a mechanic. Um, but he quickly realized he, realized he needed a more stable income so he could support his wife and daughter. So he decided to join the new Albany Police Department as just a volunteer auxiliary policeman. Now, if you're an ex auxiliary volunteer, you're not getting paid. Um, you're just doing this to... For funsies. Funsies. Or yeah. to get away from the house. I was going to say, or I'm getting the hell out of the house and because I've really, got a screaming kid. It's a prime excuse yeah. because you're doing so good. Yes. So much good for the community. Yes. Yes. And I mean, it is. How could, how could a spouse at home argue that? I mean, I know some that could. I'm just saying. Well, like, I was going to say, I feel like, um, you know, a spouse would say, or I would be like, why are you trying to get killed for free like for fun <laughs> for fun <laughs> or for yeah it doesn't make any sense to me but um he he pursues this and his uncle was a um cop at one point and so he really looked up to his uncle and i think he thought well maybe this is something i might be good at or let me just kind of test the waters to see if i'm okay with you know good at it 
So, and to his surprise, everyone else's surprise, really, um, he seemed to have a natural talent for police work. And um, the chief pushed him to apply for the Indiana State Police um, and, and really be a state trooper. So David began the process of aligning his ducks to become a paid police officer. And so that required him to go to school. Um, but he's still, you know, being the auxiliary policeman and he's still doing some, you know, body shop work. It's funny. I didn't know you could be a volunteer unpaid police officer. I knew a firefighter. Mm hmm. For sure. Yeah. I had no idea that you could do that on the police force. Yeah, you can absolutely um, have that. There's a guy that actually works for Irma Police Department. He's been an auxiliary police officer for years. They have um, the authority to do... Just about everything. Yep. I want to say citizens arrest. Citizens yeah. Arrest. Yeah. Essentially. Um, like, now, do they have a uniform? Yeah. He had a, he has a uniform. Does um, he have a cop car? Yeah. Ryan knows him very well. Nice guy. Wow. Um, and it was just something that he wanted something to do. Something I'm going to do. Yeah. I know. I, I don't. I'm going to work my way up to be a detective. <laughs> right. And not be paid for it because that sounds fun. I feel like that would be fun. I know. But I mean, that just goes to show. You yeah. know, there's lots of things you could do to help your community. Absolutely. And, um, I had no clue. And you know what? I learned something today. Yeah. Well, good thing. So um, anyway, so he he's pursuing this this effort. Um, and around the same time, though, his marriage starts falling apart, as it does. Um, it seems that, especially when it's like a shotgun wedding, right? No, those always last. Yeah. So it seems that he and Tammy didn't really have anything in common. Um, and he was really curious about other women. Um, and after all, Tammy was his only sexual experience. So, <laughs> you know, he's like, I want to sow my oats. Um, so David also is, he's kind of suspicious of his wife, um, Tammy, um, because she's still talking with her ex-boyfriend, whom she would actually later marry after she and David divorce. Hmm. So just after three years of marriage, Tammy and David officially divorce. And Dave, David has Whitney full time um, because Tammy just wasn't in a place to take care of her. Um, so David um, is moving in with his, his mother um, and she ends up taking care of Whitney for full time. Um, I mean, it was only temporary situation um, because David was going to school and he was determined to be accepted by the Indiana state police. So in it's 1988 now, and David goes on a blind date with a very attractive girl named Kimberly Wren. Now, ironically, Kim and Dave, um, David went to the same high school, but she was a year younger. And so they never really crossed paths. Um, nevertheless, they both admitted later that when they went on this blind date, it was love at first sight. Oh, so yeah, Kim, um, was very determined and goal oriented. Um, I believe that she was, um, she sang, she was also a cheerleader in high school. And so she, she did a, um, you know, she was pretty popular, um, in high school. Um, and, and she determined after high school, she was going to study accounting. And so she went to Indiana University um, Southeast and got her accounting degree. She was very well respected and by, you know, all of her employers, um, you know, comments, they said she was an excellent employee. 
Um, so at the age of 23, when she met David, she was ready to settle down. Um, she had her career. She was, she was ready to rock and roll. And so the two got married, and Kim became a stepmother and a wife in 1989. And at the end of the year, you know, to go out on a high note, in November of 1989, David Cam was officially sworn in as an Indiana state trooper. So he's getting paid now. He is now getting paid. (laughs) So um, it worked out. So it seems, though, that once David was sworn in, the nervous insecurities he had um, were replaced with arrogance. Um, There were a lot of comments from his family even saying that he just, he turned into a different person. Um, He had been really quiet um, and just kind of insecure you know, not have any confidence. And so once he got sworn in, buddy, the badge. All that changed. All that changed. And he um, became pompous and just overly confident, which is not attractive to me. It's not. It, it It's just, to me, it's, it's, I don't know if you're trying to make up for something that you didn't have. Or, uh, it's overcompensating, in my opinion. And just because you're a cop doesn't mean you have to be an ass. It's not, it's, it's not attractive. It's ugly. No. So once he's given the power to arrest people, um, that kind of really gave him a major boost in his ego. <laughs> I guess he was like, he was like, oh, I know I may be mousy and whatever. And now all of a sudden he's Superman. So, you know, it's kind of like the Kent, Clark Kent Superman analogy there. Yeah. But um, with David's newfound confidence, he starts stepping out on his wife because now he's, you know, he's thinking I can get some more women. And I don't mean just like I'm stepping out with one woman. Like, okay, maybe my marriage is going downhill and I find this person attractive and, you know, how people do. Well, this man hits on anything and everything that has legs. And he is having sex all over the place with everyone. I mean, women, but I mean, he's what is that thing? Watch your, watch your children, watch your okay. boyfriends, watch your girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> killing everybody out yeah. here. They're killing everybody out there. That YouTube video. Oh my God. That was the best. Raping everybody, everybody out, out here. here. Right. And so he is, he is having sex with everybody and he's not alone. Sadly. Um, and I, I know this about cops um, because I am married to a former cop. But um, and he secrets g- out of the bag, uh, Ryan. So- All of your buddies are in trouble, <laughs> right? And he, and he can attest to this that you know, state troopers had actually in Indiana at least um, they had a secluded place off to the side where they'd take women and have sex with them, and usually in the back of the trooper's car. So kind of like they shut a lot of our exits, our rest areas down here in the state because oh, yes. like 20 years ago or longer now, I think they became grounds for a lot of a lot women, of, women to have sex with men, men to have sex with men. Yep. I mean, you name it. I know. And in the, it's Farm <laughs> animals, sock puppets, whatever you got. <laughs> sock puppets. Several. Of these. Yeah, I forgot about that. They weren't even full rest areas. They were just like pull-ins with a couple of of slips for truckers and and cars. And Mm -hmm. it got so bad in this state, right? Yep. 
they closed them down. Now, do you remember in the movie Something About Mary when Ben Stiller goes, he he has the serial killer with him and, and they're talking about the seven-minute abs and now he's going to do... He's going to do six-minute abs. Vaguely. <laughs> and he's holding this body. Well, Ben Stiller's like, I got to get the fuck out of this car. So he pulls into a rest area, and he goes to pee. Well, he trips over some guy, and the guy in the in the brush is like, hey, man, wait your turn. And so <laughs> all of a sudden, all these cop light and cop car lights come on, and all these people pop up. Uh, and there's all these men in the middle of the rest area field. They're all arrested. Yeah. And it's here in South Carolina. Because he says in the movie, he was like, because they turn out, you know, they find the dead body because the, the serial killer like hauls butt. And, he, and, and Ben Stiller's like, I'm sorry, I picked up a hitchhiker or whatever. Anyway, they discover he's not the one that killed the person that found his card, car. And the... Troopers or the cops, whoever they are, say, you know, on behalf of South Carolina, we apologize <laughs> for arresting you. We made but it, it. But it just made me think about that because, yeah, it's, you know, he pulls into a rest area and all these people are popping up out of the field asking him to wait his turn because I guess he's <laughs> trying to get his dick sucked. I don't know. But anyway, so I digress. <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, so... With this boost of confidence, um, he he became extremely forward with women. He also discovered badge bunnies, which my husband has also told me about. And I had to kind of look it up just to refresh my memory on what that is. But it's it's basically women who want to pursue a relationship with cops. Um, and they just want to sleep or marry a cop. And, and David took full advantage of this offering. Because there are women like that. And they yeah. just pursue anybody in a uniform. Now, with David's newfound, uh, you know, confidence here, and he he's stepping out on his his wife, he, um, he sleeps with several badge bunnies. And all these other women um, are in on the game. Um, they start sleeping, and they're sleeping with multiple state troopers. And so there's this game that the troopers are having where, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Sally. I slept with Sally last week. What would you rate her as? Like a three, four? Oh, my God. So they have this whole scoring mechanism. <laughs> and they posted it at the station. And so it's really sick. And I, I just want to say if, you know, there are any women out there that are badge bunnies and you're sleeping around, just know you probably have a, you know, rating beside your name. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. So, well, David um, is a field training officer. And he has a beautiful, he has a, this beautiful young trooper under his wing named Shelly Romano. Romero, I apologize. Um, and before long, they are in the throes of a passionate affair. And the affair would continue off and on for over two years. So in 1992, David also meets another woman. So he's starting to like overlap women at this point. Yeah. And her name is Stephanie McCarty. Now, Stephanie um, is a personal trainer at a gym that David works out at. And he strikes up this really you know, close relationship. And Kim finds out at the same time, though, that she's pregnant. So in 1993... 
he and Kim have their first child. Um, it's a boy, and his name is Bradley. Mind you, he's still got these women. Yeah. Right? He's got Stephanie. Yeah, he's married. He's got Shelly. He's got whatever other badge bunnies he's got going on, and he's married. And it seems like Kim is oblivious to all of it. Um, so David is this proud dad and he actually tries to make an effort to stay at home more, help out more around the house. But in 1994, Stephanie makes the decision to leave her live-in boyfriend and moves out of the house they share together. Well, David being the awesome friend that he is, he offers a sympathetic ear before jumping into bed with her. And so... They soon start, I guess you would say, dating. Um, and pretty soon, he's being very obvious about their affair. He's, he's taken risks that it seemed like he wants to get caught. At one point, he invites her over to his house while his wife isn't there. So they sleep together. That's so bold. I know, at their home. And Stephanie hears a car door and... They look out the window, and here comes Kim walking up the walk. And so she has to dart out the back. And it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit ridiculous, right? Well, he decides um, that, you know, with this risk-taking, and it's obvious that he's going to fess up because his family approach him. They know something's going on. And he tells his wife he's in love with someone else. But to his surprise, Kim also tells him she's pregnant again. And she's five weeks pregnant at that. So he's got to make a decision. And he decides to leave his wife and live with Stephanie. Oh, so here he is, you know, leaving his wife. She's at home with a small child. And she's pregnant again. I mean, what a piece of shit at yeah. this point. I'm, I'm yeah. just saying. Um, I get it. Maybe you're not happy, but, you know, damn, your wife's pregnant. At least wait until that's done. Right. And then make your decision. But anyway, so he he leaves. He goes to live with Stephanie. And, of course, that relationship doesn't work out in the end. And David goes back to his wife, and she readily takes him back, which I don't know that I would. I absolutely would not. I mean, you left my ass high and dry when I'm pregnant with a small kid. I just, I, I can't, I don't know that I'd be able to forgive that. Well, he vows to be faithful and they end up buying some land next door to his uncle's house on Lockhart Road. So the other side of his family, um, the last name is Lockhart. And so they own like this whole road and it's almost like a compound, a compound. And he and Kim build a house. Well, we're going to fast forward a few years, and things are going well for the Cams. Kim is very successful at her job. She's moving up in the ranks. And David is doting on his wife and their children. But as history will repeat itself, he becomes restless, and he steps out on Kim again. Well, this time, it's with a woman named Michelle. This affair continues on for about six month, months until Michelle discovers he's married. So for six months, this dude has somehow avoided Michelle finding out that he's married. Now, how he went about doing that, I don't know. He's a cop. I he mean, gets, that's fair. He gets crazy hours and... That's fair. That's, that's the, you know, 
It's easy. Yeah. Medical, emergency. Yeah. Super easy. It's not like I'm going to go to my nine to five job and, oh no, I got to go to work on Sunday. (laughs) No, no, it doesn't happen like that. (laughs) Mr. Program director or whatever you are. Right. System analyst, you get back in this house. (laughs) Right. No, agreed. Yeah, no. And that's fair. I, I guess I didn't think of it like that, but. I mean, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it does go to show that, you know, he is experienced in deception for sure. Um, so f- let's fast forward several more years and many more affairs later. Um, it's the year 2000 and David is floundering in his police career and maybe tired of chasing women all over town. I don't know. I can, f- I feel like that would be exhausting. Just yeah. exhausting. Not to mention, I'd be worried that how many more women might I m- knock up? I'd be worried about getting caught. Yeah. If oh, you're for flaunting sure. yep. your affair all over the place yep. and you don't care who sees, exactly. clearly he didn't. No. And I would be worried that my police buddies who I get are in on this let's have sex with everybody in the world and these badge bunnies would rat me out if they got pissed. I don't I think that would be something they wouldn't do because they're probably all doing the same thing oh you rat me out I got something for you yeah no and that's let me talk to Mary Joe Sue or whatever the hell they name their kids in Indiana well yeah that's fair but it's just I I I don't know how they're all not going this is disgusting and how is not one of them pack mentality it's messed up surely they had there had to have been a decent person in that Police station. Well, again, just because you're you're a cheater yeah. doesn't make you a murderer. Oh, no, that is absolutely so, fair. you know, and I think there's different levels to people's moral compasses. Nope. Agreed. Agreed. Some people will say a sin is a sin. I'm like, yeah. No, I feel like but there's But if I levels. say GD, <laughs> should yeah. I go to hell because the, you know, the other guy killed his mother? Yeah. Oh, you no. know, like, I, I don't know. No, there's levels. There's absolutely I think levels. so, but... Whatever. The Catholics totally believe so. That's why you have purgatory in okay. heaven and hell. Okay. <laughs> You've got All three right. levels. I digress. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> no, I was just messing. But <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm just kidding. Like the people who say GD go to purgatory. People who are, you know. Is there a chart? Like I want to see the chart. Like <laughs> what puts me in purgatory? I'm just going to sit there till somebody prays me out. That's GD. I don't know. You might still... Some bread from somebody, the store. Is I that somebody know. just praying at my funeral? Uh, yeah, I was say, singing several Hail Marys, and um, I'll try to pray your ass out. I, that's all I can tell you. I'll do my best. If you go first, I'll try to pray you out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what she did, Lord, but let me tell you, I'm going to do this every night Hail for Mary. the next three years. <laughs> yes. That should cover everything. You would think. You would think. But um, anyway, so... The year is, like I said, 2000, um, and he's done with the uh, chasing women, maybe. Now, he is frequenting a lot of strip um, clubs. Oh, he's he's and, leveling up. And so, he, or, he be- I don't know. He knows a lot of the strippers, so I don't know if that's really... Probably had sex. They probably have a chart in an office somewhere <laughs> at the police station. Boss will go to... Go to this strip club on Mondays. This one's Tuesdays. Uh, yeah, maybe, possibly. I, I don't know. But he is frequent frequenting 
the uh, strip clubs. Um, and his family is noticing that he's floundering in his, his career, right? So his uncle Sam, and, and that's real, not America, um, uh-huh. offers him a part-time job as a, sale, a salesman at his company, um, United Dynamics. Now, I probably should have looked that up. Um, I don't know exactly what they did. I want to say maybe piping or something. I don't or I, I don't know. Some kind of construction stuff. Whatever stop, it possibly. is, it's dynamic. So <laughs> David decides to try his hand at sales and starts moonlighting while working as a state trooper. Um, and David is a natural and quickly becomes successful. And with Kim's full support, he leaves the state police and becomes a full-time salesman with United Dynamics. Now, when you leave the police force, if you don't leave, it's kind of like the military, where you have to put in a certain number of years in order to get retirement. Right. Some kind of pension, right? So in order for him to, you know, take this other job, he's got to, you know, sacrifice his pension. Right. And he's also got to turn in his service weapons. And he did at one point, he was going to buy his service weapon, um, but they were wanting too much money. And he was like, "Eh, I don't care. I'm not, he's not like a real big gun owner, not a big, he doesn't really care. Um, So he turns it all in. Well, so we're now in September. So that was February. He quit. It's now September um, 2000. David is doing extraordinary um, well at his job. And he seems to be staying away from women aside from the strip clubs, right? I mean. Well, I guess looking is different than, you know. Doing. Um, yeah. Touching or whatever. Well, there's more. But. I mean. I, I like don't. If I had to. I don't know. Would you rather have your husband have an affair or go to the strip club? I'd rather be alone. <laughs> um, let me just let me just tell you i'm that's alone valid. now i would rather be alone that's fair i can create all my own drama i do right really good job by yourself that. i don't need anyone else to come in here and create more for me no agreed and and that is a valid option i mean now why his <laughs> wife didn't take that option i don't know i mean it's different if you go hey once a, what i don't know a bachelor party or whatever oh, totally but, different and they're expensive my thing would be i don't oh. care who you look at go to a nude beach or go look at some porn but do you know how much strip clubs cost? Um, those girls like, make hand over fist. It's like twenty or thirty dollars for dudes is free for chicks, right? But dudes get in, they gotta pay an arm and a leg and I no. don't well and I don't <clears throat> understand why it's free for chicks. Because the women bring them in. Oh okay. All right. Like I I think You think whatever. I'm not gonna say what I think because it's irrelevant, but I know a lot of women, and I have known a lot of women over the years, who want to go to a strip club with their boyfriends there. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I've only been to one in my entire life. <laughs> no, I like. I was we going to say, I remember we I was there. there. No, 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 no. The second time I went, you were with me, and that I. O-M-G. Yeah, guys, just a sidebar. It was it, hilarious. We go Chrissy, to. Pretty much. Shut down. <laughs> we go to Key West. It was like... me, Carrie, and her brother. And I'm like, oh, well, let's try a strip club. Because I think you said someone at work mentioned it, right? The red, yes, somebody at the work red garter. It? Yes, Kevin. 
And he's like going Thanks to a the, lot, Kevin. Yeah, I should have recorded this and sent it to you. <laughs> so cool. Going to the Red Garter. It's really cool. It's, so we dart in there. Carrie's like, I don't know why we're doing this. It's just going to be naked women. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Let's go. Let's, let's go. And let's I've checked it out. I'm baffled. 40 fucking 43 year old two women like yeah let's go to like all right whatever I, plus it was like four o'clock in the afternoon it was and probably on like a tuesday night or something i don't know it was and and this we go in there and there's nobody in there and there the was three of us the bartender and one stripper who was awkwardly dancing on the pole yes she was and she kept staring and i would not turn around because i didn't want to make eye contact but the one time i turned she had her boobs and they were giant and she was just there were two people like in the pit you know of the stage and she was just like like hitting their faces with her boobs and i just remember going what in the hell is happening like people say oh you gotta go to a class i don't they're all trashy (laughs) so yeah i go okay let's just drink this drink and get out and they were like are you happy now well in key west like i don't even know that we stayed because you can walk around with your drink yeah, no, so we, yeah. I was kind of, oh, I was chuckling on the inside, and I think I was the one that was heckling you, like, turn around, look. Oh, yeah, you did. You were like, Chrissy, She's she like, wants to nope, talk nope, to you. Nope, like, nope, 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 nope. Like, that was a wait. That was 10 minutes. I will never get back in my entire life. Although, it was hilarious. It was. It was funny shit. But, all right, so we digress, and yes. I apologize. Um, but anyway, so. Back to our regularly scheduled program. programming. <laughs> so, anyway, um, he's still going to the strip clubs. And, um, but he's doing really well. And, you know, Kim, again, is none the wiser of his stepping out and going to strip clubs at this point. And it's, it's strange that she doesn't know anything. Um, in my opinion, I think maybe she just blinders. Exactly. She turned a blind eye and was like, you know what? I'm not even, not even going to think about it. Well, it's now September 28th, um, 2000. And on this particular night, David Cam goes to play basketball at church with his friends in Georgetown, Indiana. Now, this is a regular pickup game that happens every Thursday. And Kim is in charge of picking up her son, Brad, from swimming practice and was heading home with the kids when he is leaving to go to the basketball game. So, so he leaves and she's, she's coming home. She's reportedly coming home. So it was reported that Kim was acting strange at the pool that night. Um, she seemed preoccupied and restless. She bounced around a lot that evening, um, and just didn't seem like herself. And it was also later reported that she had told her best friend during a conversation on the phone earlier that day that it looked like history was repeating itself. Oh, so she's catching on. So I think maybe she knew something was not right with her husband. Um, and maybe she found some $1 bills, $2 bills. I don't <laughs> I don't know, but I think she was catching on. Well, um, when asked, um, her best friend, Kim's best friend, said she didn't really know what that comment meant um, because she didn't elaborate but Kim's best friend definitely believed it had something to do with maybe you know David having another affair so I I think there were several people that knew you know that he was a dirtbag when it came to women that is (laughs) 
Well, it's now 20 after 9 p.m. Um, David leaves the church because they have to lock up after the games. And he's heading home to see his wife and kids, helping because he knows, yeah, it's getting kind of late. And he's supposed to help with bath time, homework, and getting the kids in the bed. Well, now the distance from the church um, rec room, the gym, um, to the Kim's house on Lockhart Road is about eight minutes, um, eight, excuse me, eight to nine minutes away. Um, and in two different routes that he could take, it's either eight minutes or it's nine minutes. So really not big difference between the two different routes um, that he could have taken. So he takes one of those. And as he's pulling up into the drive, he sees that both the garage doors are down. There's no lights on in the house. And he's like, that's really weird. Uh, because if Kim was home, the doors would be er be up. Now, mind you, a little while before that, him getting home, um, his uncle had come down. Um, aunt and uncle were coming home and also noticed the garage doors down. And you know, his aunt was like, that's kind of weird. You know, Kim's usually home by now. It's Thursday night. I know the kids have swim practice, whatever. She should be home by now. But the doors were still down and the lights were out. So he also sees the same thing, thinks it's weird. But he also, as he gets up closer to the garage, he's clicking the button. And he thinks he sees something in the drive, like in the garage floor. And he thinks... Honestly, he thinks it's Jill laying on the ground. He thinks, oh, God, you know, maybe she slipped and fell out of the Bronco when she's trying to get out something. Why is my child laying in the middle of the ground um, in the garage? Well, he gets out of the bron or his car, and he sees that there's blood on the ground, and the door of the Bronco is wide open. So the driver's side is wide open. He looks down, and he sees it's not his daughter on the ground it's actually kim and she is um on the ground there's blood all around her head um and then he's like where are my children what the hell he thinks maybe she hit her head something happened so he looks in the back of the bronco and he sees his son and daughter in the back seat and they're both dead he at least that's what they look he they look like they're motionless and he's like they're slumped for, and you, this is really weird. So freaking out and not knowing what to do, he thinks, okay, I can see the blood coming from Jill's head, and Jill's hair is covered in blood. So he reaches in, and he snatches out his son. And he thinks Bradley may not be dead, puts him on the ground, starts doing CPR. Well, he just soon discovers that, no, Bradley is, is in fact dead. Well, David panics. He's freaking out, just like I feel like anybody would if they yeah. were seeing yeah. their whole family dead in the garage. And he calls the Indiana State Police, and he calls them directly. He doesn't call 911. He calls the police station. Um, and remember, I mean, he used to work for him. He knows these people. And he calls to the station, and he's demanding to talk to the post command. And so the post commander would be the one that, you know, notifies everybody of what's going on. And he tells him to have everybody and their grandma get over to my house immediately. And he's telling the police that his wife and kids are dead. He doesn't know what happened. But he's like, everybody get over here now. I want everybody over here. Um, ambulances, police, 
fire trucks, get them all over here. Well, they dispatch all these people and they're like, get over to David Cam's house. Well, he also, at the same time, he's running across the street to his uncle's house because, you know, they live in like a compound um, who was also a former police officer. And he's just telling his uncle, I don't know what the hell happened, but Kim's dead on the ground. My kids are dead. Did you see anything? What is, you know, what the hell's going on? Well, when the police arrive, they have to drag Dave out of the garage um, physically because he's just beside himself. Police find Kim on the floor of the garage with a bullet hole in her head and her pants are down and her shoes are off. The kids are also, um, they've been shot in the head, all three of them execution style. Oddly enough, as I said, her shoes were neatly placed on top of the Bronco, which is odd, very odd. So no one knew why they were there, but they were on top of the Bronco. There's also a gray sweatshirt found at the scene that was not David's, and it was not from inside the house. So it was nobody that they knew of um, that owned this gray sweatshirt. But it, along with David's clothes, are taken as evidence um, to analyze. And David's clothes, mind you, were covered in blood from having taken his son Bradley out of the Bronco and then, you know, his daughter's hair getting all over him and then him just trying to perform CPR. Um, so he's covered in blood. Um, three days after the murder, they bring David back in um, and they want to interview him. They want to find out what, you know, what does he know? What's going on? Well, police tell David that people are saying they heard gunshots around the time David got home. So we're talking like 930. Well, David, he's like, there's no way you could have heard gunshots at 930 because I, I didn't shoot anybody. Um, he's saying that that's not correct. He also tells him the blood, um, the police are telling um, David that the blood spatter exer, um, expert that was at the crime scene that night um, informed them that the blood found on his clothes is from high-velocity blood spatter, which would have only happened if David had pulled the trigger that killed his wife. Right. So, of course, you know, David's like, no, man, no, uh-uh. I don't even own a gun. There's no, absolutely no way in the world that I would have shot my wife and kids. And I was at a basketball game all night. I've got 11 people you know, as witnesses saying, Hey, I didn't leave. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. So the police also accused him of cleaning up the scene with bleach and sexually molesting his daughter. Oh, that took a turn. Yeah. So when the coroner, Do we know how old his daughter was here. Yeah. So his daughter's like five, Okay, five so to seven. I little, think. Yeah. little. Yeah. She's little. As far as I'm concerned, that's little, little. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, that's not a pinky. But it's little. No, it's it's not a pinky, but it is called newborns pinkies. Since when? Since ever. Is that like a really southern thing or something? I've never heard of a pinky. I don't know. Nobody else I know does it. They oh. just remind me of little pinkies. You know what a pinky oh, is? Oh, this is like literally out of your own brain. Yeah. I thought it, you know, you not like, not a pinky, a little pinky, a little baby mouse. Oh, no. Like, that, That I had no idea where you were going with that. I'm yeah. like, your pinky finger? How the 
frick does a newborn baby remind you of? A little baby pinky mouse. Oh, okay. Well, I can see where you would correlate those two. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Anyway, so so he he made me lose my train of thought completely. So, oh, oh, oh. So... You know, David's telling him that there's no way he caught, you know, he killed his kid. Um, but, and he definitely did not clean the scene or sexually molest his daughter. Um, but the coroner, when she did the autopsy, um, notated in their report that Jill's vaginal area appeared to be traumatized, um, which almost like blunt, blunt force trauma, um, which being that young and, and, and having delicate, you know, lady parts at that time. Got it. It it would have it would have only occurred that kind of you know um, trauma would have only occurred if she had been penetrated, mm-hmm. you know, by a man. But the coroner also notated that her hymen was still intact. So I I I don't know. I I have questions at this point. Um, but you know, David is emphatically denying. Um, that he molested his daughter. Um, now he's being interrogated by the cops and in this horrible crime by his former friends and coworkers, and they're sitting across from him saying, "You know, you molested your your daughter. You know, you killed your wife," and just on and on and on. Um, and David's arguing and denying. If you watch the interrogation, it's heart wrenching because he is pounding his hands on the table. And he's like, I did not kill my family. I did not, you know, molest my daughter. What would be the reasoning for doing this? Well, they don't care. And they think he absolutely has reason to murder his, you know, wife and kids because there's a litany of things. I mean, let's think about it. Um, He's had a bazillion affairs and you know, let's say Kim found out that, you know, she was molested and Jill was molested and, and she wanted to confront him and he lost it and killed them all. So there's a couple of different scenarios that I think the cops were thinking about. Well, David sits in jail um, until his trial in February of 2002. So this is the first trial. He pled not guilty. Um, the original theory was that David killed his family as soon as he got home from the basketball game at 9.30. Um, but when the coroner puts the time of death at 7.30, the prosecution has to come up with an alternate theory. The theory they come up with is that David snuck out of the gym in between games, um, went home, killed his wife and kids, and then came back to church. So think about it. You've got 11 people at this game. You're all kind of going in and out of games because it's pickup basketball. And I don't know, maybe they're playing the whole time. Either way, I think it would be kind of hard to sneak out of a gym and have 11 people not notice. Um, I think they did see him the whole time and they were very adamant that no, David did not leave the gym. Well, they tell this to, you know, the jury, um, thinking that, that would, um, you know, these 11 people saying, no, that didn't happen, um, would help sway the jury to see that he was, you know, he's not guilty. But they say that he could 
have done this because according to phone records, there was a call made from David's line at 7.19 p.m. They also feel like the crime scene was staged. They also used David's tenure as a police officer against him, saying that he knew how to make a scene look real. So, um, and then lastly, they use his years of affairs against him, um, telling the court that David wanted to kill his wife and children to be free and clear of that responsibility. And to help support that, the prosecution brings in over a dozen women that David either hit on, had sex with, or did, you know, had some kind of relationship with while he was married to Kim. So here we are in court, and you've got this line and parade of women coming in to sit down and say, yep, uh, in front of everyone, yes, I had sex with this man. Yes, I had sex with this man. I mean, how embarrassing, not only for him, but also these women. So they had theorized that Kim likely had confronted David in the garage about Jill either being molested or affairs, and he just off them. Well, the defense argued that the trauma to Jill's vaginal area likely happened during the attack, and that wasn't David. Um, they also brought in a Verizon wireless expert um, witness um, who said not wireless because I don't I, I think I had put that in my head for some reason but it's the year I guess 2000 so um, but it was made from the landline so this guy comes in and I don't know what I just kicked but if anybody here heard that whack um, I just kicked something but um, they bring in this witness who said that David's call says 719 but that's not correct um, because in Indiana, there are multiple time zones. There's an Eastern and a Central time. And the call that David made was actually an hour behind what is being reported in the paperwork. And the real time he actually called was at 619. And he had called a, a customer who was having issues with some flooding or something in his basement. So the call really didn't happen at 719 as prosecution states um, stated and again all 11 people at the basketball game said that David never left um, and he had been there the entire time until after 9 30 or 9 o'clock rather so the defense also shared the theory that the high velocity blood spatter that was found on David's clothes they believed that this was Jill's hair having been soaked with blood and you know David um, reaching in to get Brad out of the Bronco had, you know, flung her hair had been flung, you know, or touched transferred to his shirt to make it look like it was high velocity, um, blood spatter. Well, I, I mean, personally, I think that is a very plausible explanation. It does sound like one. So they also introduced the mystery of the sweatshirt to the jury. So it was definitely worth bringing up um, to the defense. Um, it had blood on it, and they had found that the word backbone was written in the collar. So that's either somebody's name, somebody's last name. I, who knows what it is, but they don't know who this shirt belongs to. Well, the prosecution indicated that the sweatshirt had been analyzed, um, and any DNA that had been on the sweatshirt was ran through CODIS and nothing came back. So it's just like this random thing they put to the side and they're like, it's a red herring. It's, it's nothing. 
Well, ultimately, the jury didn't buy the defense's theories of reasonable doubt, and David was found guilty and sentenced to 195 years in prison. Mm. Well, fast forward two years, and David's conviction is overturned. The Court of Appeals agreed um, with the defense that the 12 women that were brought in to say that Dave had, you know, sexual relationships with should have never been introduced um, because they really had no bearing on the case. It, it meant nothing. There was no connection. The, there was, you know, it was determined that there was no women out there trying to get, you know, revenge and kill his family. So there's no reason why all these women should have been brought in other than to show David was an adulterer. So David's granted a new trial. So gearing up for a new trial, the defense requests the DNA found on this mystery sweatshirt needs to be rerun through CODIS. So they rerun the DNA and immediately they get a match um, back for a guy named Charles Bonet. Now, Boney. Boney, I know. I have a friend named, um, her last name is Boney. Yeah, this, well... His name is pronounced Bonet. Oh, my bad. Not Boney. It's Bonet. Where's the little? I know. I don't know. I don't know. But, <laughs> but he says it's Bonet. Now, it very well could be Boney. Oh, I guess I would, too, if my last name was Boney. Boney. So, yeah, exactly. There. So, interestingly enough, like, though. My name's not Sadie. It's Sade. Sade. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, interestingly enough, his DNA has been in CODIS the whole damn time during the first trial because he had been in jail. But police were so uber-focused on Dave saying that he indeed was the killer, they didn't bother to run the DNA through CODIS. So they just outright lied. Prosecution lied. Um, So Bonet is just a really interesting character. Um, I've listened to a couple of interviews that he's given, and he comes across as really unassuming, but you can quickly tell that he's a liar, a con man, and there's something extremely shady about this guy. Well, his prison nickname, come to find out, is Backbone, which was what was written in the collar of the sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. So they, and he's he's got like this horrible record um, of violence against women. Um, he has a history also of stealing women's shoes and was nicknamed the Shoe Bandit because he had a fetish for women's feet and shoes. And he had many assaults and had attempted to kidnap two women at gunpoint, which he had earned 20 years in the Slammer for. And uh, he was then released seven years later. So, I mean, the fact that you have a foot fetish is weird to me because I think feet are just disgusting. Like, my husband will sit and, like, clip his toenails. And, like, just the thought of you touching your feet and, and, and... when he just touches his own feet with his fingernails. How did we get here? I don't know. know. It's just gross. I I, want to like, like, (laughs) (laughs) I just had to throw that out. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to stop her with my eyes. Like, Like, why are you on this roll? Well, I'm just trying to reinforce the fact that feet are gross. It grosses me out. I mean, I have seen model 
worthy feet, but I'm never like, like I, I like show me a muscular chest all day. Right. I know. I'm not going but to bed feet? and no. thinking about, Ooh, those feet are hot. I don't. Yeah. Again, that's my point. Bringing it up. It's disgusting. Well, anyway, incidentally, um, Bonet was out of prison when the Kim murders occurred. So it was found that Kim had bruises on her feet where it looked as if someone was rough with them. Once again, disgusting. Was he, was he shoving them in the daughter's vagina or something? Is that what he was trying to do? I don't know. Either that he was trying to rip them off. I don't know. And of course, you know, remember there were those shoes that were placed on top of the car. He forgot them. Because... Daddy's coming home. He had a whole ass. Thank you. And I mean, that's my guess. Well, it to me, it aligns with Boney's MO, right? I mean, you're a foot fetish freak. You, I I mean, why you've killed a whole family, I don't know. But I mean, this whole thing aligns in my head with something that he would do. Well, police bring in Boney, and he does admit that was his sweatshirt. But the reason he says it's there is that he had donated it to like goodwill and charity and somebody, maybe David had gotten it out of the bin and uh, I guess took it home. So that's why it's there. Pure coincidence. Well, he tells police he wasn't there and then he had no idea again, why anything of his would be at the scene, but police run prints again. And it's discovered that, you know, there was a palm print on the Bronco. Well, lo and behold, it matches our boy Boney. Um, well, they haul him in again um, because they had let him go after the initial, okay, sure, whatever. It's, you know, your sweatshirt came from the, you know, lost and found at the Goodwill. Now we have something solid. Well, they bring in Bonet and he tells police that the real reason he was there and he didn't want to say it originally was that he was there to bring David a gun. Um, He said he knew David um, by playing basketball together. So in one of the pickup games, I guess, with his friends, you know, Bonet was invited. I I don't know. Maybe there's some, some weird convict group going on that plays basketball. I don't know. But I find it odd that they would have met playing basketball. It's bullshit. Agreed. Well, he and David, um, again, supposedly strike up this relationship. And David knew of of Bonet's past and asked him if he could get him an untraceable gun. So on September 28th in 2000, he meets David at his home and he brings David the gun. He hadn't intended to be there when the murders were committed, but it just so happened that Kim pulled into the garage while he was there and David was like oh real quick like bam 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 and killed his family in front of Bonet so in light of a new trial police and David um, I'm sorry police arrest both David and Bonet for link charges so they think they're in cahoots together and they don't once think that okay this Bonet guy could have done the whole thing they literally think that David is involved with Bonet. Um, So during the second trial, which begins in January of 2006, the prosecution presents to the jury that while Bonet may have assisted, he wasn't the killer 
and um, point to the high-velocity blood spatter. Again, that was found on David's shirt. How could that have gotten there if he wasn't the one that actually pulled the trigger? So goes the second trial. Jury believes Bonet's testimony that he was there to sell David a gun. And they literally, they just discount the 11 witnesses, swearing that David did not and could not have left the basketball game without being noticed. Well, Boney <laughs> was found guilty and sentenced to 100 years in jail. And then David is sentenced to life without parole. So the end, right? Wrong. We, we are now in the throes of how can we get a third trial again? So the de defense files for an appeal stating that there is no direct evidence linking David to the molestation of his daughter, which is true. There's no way to prove that David actually molested Jill. Well, the Court of Appeals agrees, and they say on to trial number three we go. So it's now 2013, and his time, and this time prosecutors said that David stood to gain $150,000 in Kim's life insurance. So now that's why he killed his wife. And, and what kills me, it just keeps changing. Like, in my opinion, if I'm going to arrest somebody and I'm prosecuting them, that reason for being arrested and the, and the motivation shouldn't change three damn times just to fill and fit a narrative. Well, this is a clear case of police officers not following evidence. Agreed. If they're trying to fit the evidence into their story or their agenda. 100%. Well, Bonet accuses David to um, that, that David was trying to shoot him um, after he shot his family. And Bonet is the star witness for the prosecution at this point. Um, but when David went to shoot Bonet, the gun jammed. So David runs into the house. Well, Bonet not knowing what David was doing in the house and assuming he's going to look for another gun to shoot, shoot in panics. And he's kind of running around the garage, spreading his DNA everywhere. And he looks at the dead bodies in the Bronco, sees that Kim's shoes are on the ground, and places them on top of the Bronco. Now, why? Two things. Why somebody would do that, I don't know. And two, why he thought that that was a viable excuse or reason I, 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 to explain away why shoes were on top of a Bronco, I don't know. I mean, he, this guy's got to be dumb. Because I, I would look at you and go, what the hell? That's just not normal behavior. The last thing I'm thinking about when I'm trying to run away because somebody's going to get a gun to kill me is putting a pair of shoes on top of a car. So he says this, um, which again, makes no sense. Um, and he also, he has no explanation as to why his sweatshirt was left at the scene um, when they ask. So why is your sweatshirt at the scene? Well, I don't know. I mean, did you get hot while you were giving him the gun and had to take it off? I mean... Makes no sense. So he also denies touching any of the victims, even though touch DNA was found on both Jill and Kemp. He's all over the place spouting lie after lie, and the defense at this point is loving it because they're like, they are just proving our case that this guy is a full-fledged liar. Well, his DNA was found on Kim's underwear and shirt, also on a broken fingernail, which was Kim's, I guess, from him wrestling with her, and then in Jill, um, on Jill's shirt. And while on the stand, he wasn't able to really describe at all when the defense was like, okay, well, what was David Cam wearing that night? 
and could you explain what David car David's car looked like? What was he driving? Something. And he and David was driving a company van that night. So oh, that would have at least been that would not be something that you would forget. I would think it was it a car? Was it a motorcycle? Exactly. It was a van. Was it a horse? What happened? Yep. And he couldn't recall he any of that. He could not recall any of that. And again, doesn't remember what he's wearing. And I'm sorry, but if somebody's trying to kill me and something horrible happened that night, I would know exactly what the hell that person had on. Yeah. It would be something that was etched into my brain forever. Well, the prosecution also... They're not playing fair either because they have to confess that the blood spatter expert wasn't really an expert. Um, so these people that are like, oh, there's high velocity blood spatter all over your shirt. And this expert is saying that they have to confess. Yeah, that was just a crime scene tech who gave his opinion to the police. It wasn't an actual expert. And this expert had been on the stand. This is a, this so, is a Dexter. So this is perjury just perjured himself and he's like yeah no i'm not really an expert um i'm just a crime scene tech was he on the stand the, for first, the first trial first... and he said oh okay yeah and, and then he says no i'm 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 just just a crime scene tech mm -hmm. so needless to say you know that detail should have been something that came out in the original trial because you know there are a lot of juries that take um you know a lot of of clout in what experts say because if there's an expert saying okay this really is high velocity blood spatter i'm thinking then there's no way he didn't kill his wife no way how would that have gotten on there well again not an expert so after 10 hours of deliberation and 4.5 million dollars later after three trials David is finally acquitted and found not guilty in all charges. And I just got chills because this man has been in prison for, I don't, 16 years. Yeah. Um, and, and 13 years, he, it, it's, it's awful. It's, it's horrible. You have been accused of not only killing your, ch your, your children and your wife, but molesting also in cahoots with a convict and, and a killer. Like David's name has been drugged through the mud. So David gets out of prison. Um, he's attempted to sue the state for false arrest, um, but it was later dropped at the, um, as the state at the time did have probable cause to actually arrest David. Um, but, um, so he didn't really get anything out of that. Um, but in the end, David's free. He's a free man now. Um, and he was recently um, just exonerated, 100%. No longer not guilty. His entire um, record has been wiped clean because he was fully exonerated from everything that he was accused of. Um, but sadly, Kim's fa family and parents still believe that David did kill both Kim and his children. I so just, I think people are idiots. So that those that relationship will never um, ever be repaired, right? Yeah. But um, you know, and and it's just it's a sad, sad case because again, I know this happens. You know, this has to happen. I mean, we're all human. Cops make mistakes. Prosecutors make mistakes. But you know, it 
to me, there are very blatant mistakes that were made in this trial just so that they could say we're done. Yeah. It's um, sad. It is. And you've spent $4.5 million of ta- the tax taxpayer. Dollars. If I was a taxpayer in Indiana, yep. I'd lose my damn mind. Exactly. And, and it's crazy to me that you spent that much money on three trials um, it, and to re-prosecute somebody that was... 100% not guilty. Right. And they should have figured that out in the first time. I agree. I agree. And so it's really sad. Um, and I think it's important to bring this kind of thing to light so it doesn't continue to happen. 100% agree. So um, so that's the case of David Cam. Um, I hope he is living a, a good life at this point. I don't know. Maybe he's having sex with all the women in the world now. I don't I know. Don't know. He's not hopefully, asking. Hopefully he's <laughs> calmed his oats down a little bit. Uh, well, you know, it just goes to show, you know, you do some dirty ass shit and. Well, I don't think he deserved it. <laughs> he no. didn't deserve that for cheating on his no, wife. No, but it can absolutely, half, it contributed. Because they didn't have, no, it didn't. Why did it contribute to it? Because all those people, all those women that they drug in to say, yeah, I slept with him. I slept with them. I slept with them. It, it's proving just his bad character. I think character. without that. Because the second trial, I mean, they still convicted, convicted him in the second trial. I, th- I think without that, he was going to go to jail too. You, you think, well, I mean, but Personally, the, second, I do. the second trial was, they said that those women shouldn't have come in. I mean, he still got convicted, but. Exactly. I don't think it would have mattered that police force yeah. wanted him. They had him pegged, pegged for that. No, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, anyway. So that is um, this week's case. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and, and it's really cool. I will say, go watch the four. There's a, I want to say a 48 hours mystery for sure. And there's a couple of datelines. Um, there was an updated one recently, I think in 2016, but they, for some reason, um, it's no longer available. Um, but that one was really good. So, um, but there's several, there's, uh, there's a couple of books about this. Um, there are a, uh, a lot of documentaries and, there, there's a lot of information out there. Um, so go check it out. Um, you get a lot more detail than my quick podcast, but, um, anyway, thanks for hanging in there with us and I hope everybody has a great week. Yeah. Um, once again, happy new year and, uh, we will see you next week. All right. Bye. All right. Bye guys. Bye.